Hello everyone. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to come on briefly and apologize for the poor quality of the recording. This occurred due to circumstances that were beyond our control. However, we felt it was still necessary to put this episode out as we think it has important information for parents. So please enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to sadly the final episode of the Baby Tribe podcast for this season. We are going to have a break over the summer, aren't we, Katie? We're breaking up. I'm open to all new podcasts over the summer months, much to uh, Afif's. As as you all well know, our dear listeners, Katie is... um, (laughs) I'm a cheat. (laughs) Yeah, she's a cheat. She likes likes, um, likes playing around with other podcasts. And um, I'm really worried that we might be able to get back together after our break over the summer. But we are breaking over the summer. We are going to come back in the autumn with a lot more guests a lot more information for you. So stay tuned. And um, if you haven't listened to all the episodes so far, please consider listening to the rest of them because it really gives you a nice course about parenting from start to finish, um, especially in the first few months of life. And guys, we'd really appreciate if you give us a like and a follow and share us with all your friends and family, because we've got lots more information to offer. And the more people that know about us, the more people uh, that will follow the Baby Tribe. And also, please don't forget to rate our podcast and wherever you listen to it. And that will really help us reach more people. And remember, Baby Tribe listeners get a 15% discount on all my artwork on my website, afifsart.net. If you use the code Baby Tribe, all capitals on checkout. And the same goes for me, guys. So anyone that wants to partake in any of my classes, you get a 15% discount using the Baby Tribe, all capitals as well. Okay, great. So... We are going to finish off the season with a fantastic interview with Anne Costigan, a colorectal specialist pediatric nurse. And she has a wealth of information on all things to do with baby constipation. She is a mom of three children. Um, She has also been a registered nurse for the last 25 years. She worked as a staff nurse in Ireland, Saudi Arabia and Guernsey. She also worked as a clinical nurse manager and a clinical nurse facilitator on a very busy surgical unit in Dublin and was awarded the RCSI Nursing Excellence Award in 2010 for education and in 2015 for clinical nursing. So Katie's going to be doing the interview with Anne Costigan and they're going to chat about all things toilet training for your baby and also constipation. So take it away, Katie. Good morning, Anne. How are you? Great. Thanks, Katie. Lovely to see you. And you too. So I suppose we're talking all about uh, toilet training and constipation uh, this morning. And I suppose from the moment that we have our babies, we speak so much about dirty nappies, how many, the consistency, colour, frequency and everything and anything in between on a daily basis through the early years. And I found one of the biggest issues most parents come across, particularly in that very first year of life, is constipation. I'm sure mm-hmm. you hear about it all the time in your specialty. So many parents don't really understand about constipation, what it really is. So how about you break it all down for us? Sure. Yeah. So absolutely. I think a lot of parents don't realize how obsessed they'll get about poo until they have their first little baby. And then you start taking pictures of your baby, but then it's ultimately start taking pictures of poo and send them on to on their WhatsApp. Did they do this poo today? What did they do? So it does kind of 
take over a little bit. And especially if your little one is starting to struggle pooing. So typically, um, parents will often question what is normal. So for a lot of parents, they may not realize the transition of the different types of poo that babies will pass from birth. And then that there's a natural slowdown for the amount of poo that they'll pass. And sometimes this can worry parents. But to look at what the normal is, obviously, the first poo that baby passes is that black tarry meconium. So that clears off within the first couple of days and then it transitions onto a dark green, lighter green, and then ultimately onto that lovely mustard CD poo that we all love to see. So generally, babies will pass a poo after most feeds. Uh, and as I said, the frequency then will go down. Breastfed babies especially, you'll see a big drop after about six weeks when that colostrum has cleared. And so the colostrum is your natural laxative. So a lot of people have that saying that breastfed babies don't get constipated, but they actually do. But it's a lot less frequent than a formula fed baby. So knowing what the normal is, is really important. So after that six weeks mark and a breastfed baby, we'll talk about first that you will see a natural decline in the amount of poo and the frequency of poo. So not uncommon that a baby that's breastfed may only poo once a week. And that's not necessarily by itself alarming, but for parents going from maybe six poos a day to just one every two, three, four days, that can be worrying for them. So obviously the first protocol, if a parent is ever worried, is to speak to healthcare professionals. So public health nurse or your GP, um, but it's just to get that reassurance that everything is okay. And you're just looking at the bigger picture, not just at the poos. You're looking at your baby. Are they feeding well, number one? Um, are they comfortable? Are they at ease passing their poo? Are they happy, content, sleeping well? Everything else, is everything else okay? Is their belly nice and soft? So they're not just focusing on the one thing. Obviously, if those poos are a little pebble or a hard poo, it is important that that is looked at. So again, after your GP and just get it checked out. A lot of parents will go on to Google first and have a little wander there to see what they can, what information they can get. But again, there's a lot of information out there for parents that they may not necessarily be able to understand when they're reading it. And you can actually get yourself worked up into a bit of a frenzy reading all this information. So keep it simple. Get your baby checked if you're worried. But looking then at formula-fed babies, again, some formula-fed babies, uh, that decrease in poo can happen quite quickly. And again, if baby is well, feeding well, poo's are nice and soft, continue on that their weight is obviously, they're gaining weight as well. But again, discuss with your public health nurse. A lot of parents then will go into, say, the likes of the supermarket and look at all the different formulas that are out there. So this is a common thing that parents will do. And again, try and not do this because you do not want to be chopping and changing formula um, too early on or without guidance. It's really, really important not to go ahead because they're advertised to to tell parents that this is not going to constipate your child, that this will help with their constipation, but it's not good for their little gut to be chopping and changing. So go to your healthcare professional first and get their advice. Um, you'll hear a lot of uh, grannies tell you these little um, little tips to get the poos moving as well. So again, try and stay clear from adding sugar to water, um, given juices under six months, all those things are not medically advised. There's no evidence to say that they do work. Um, so again, if a baby is breastfed, making sure they're feeding well, getting that good volume of food in. And if they're formula fed, knowing how much formula they should be getting is really important. Um, and looking at how you're making up your formula, because again, middle of the night, if you're making up bottles, you're half asleep and you're 
counting out scoops, you can miscount sometimes and you may add in too many scoops and that could happen over a course of a few different bottles. And again, you may then end up having a constipated baby. So simple little things like that, look at making sure we're doing all that correctly and that we're adding enough water to our formula um, and that the formula is suiting them too. So again, there's a few little simple things that can be done if baby does become constipated early on. A good tip is always to do a nice belly massage while you're um, changing their nappy as well. It really does work. Now, there's no evidence out there, you know, as such research based to say that, yeah, do X, Y and Z and that will work. But a nice tummy massage is not going to do them any harm. It's a lovely bonding experience for baby and mother as well. Um, And it's nice and relaxing for the baby. Um, So, again, do that at each nappy change. Encourage those poos out. Cycle the legs. Get those hips moving over and back. And nice circular movement. So clockwise movement on the belly to help um, pass the poos out. A nice warm bath helps as well. And again, it can be nice and relaxing for baby. Um, there's another um, condition, I'm sure you've come across this infant dyskesia for babies. And a lot of parents then will think that this is definitely constipation has to be because typically you'll see a baby who will, when they're attempting to have a poo, scream and scream and scream for 10 to 20 minutes and then pass a normal soft poo. But obviously when a child is stressed like that, it upsets the parents and they they automatically think this can't be normal. They shouldn't be this upset trying to have a poo. So again, always get checked by the GP, but this can be because of infant dyskesia. And it's just because they can't coordinate increasing their abdominal pressure and relaxing their pelvic floor. So again, try and comfort baby while this is happening. If you can bring up the knees, the chest, um, can if you can give a nice warm bath or massage the belly, just try to get the baby to relax, but it will pass and the poo will come out nice and soft. So that's a very reassuring for parents because, again, I think parents think there has to be something wrong when there is any element of constipation or if there is this infant dyskesia. So it's just reassurance and going to a healthcare profession who can give that reassurance is really important. So one time that we always notice uh, change in stool um, is particularly around when solids are introduced for an infant. And this is, I suppose, very particular to the breastfeeding parents um, because they are so used to often having loads and numerous uh, dirty nappies. And then suddenly there's a big change uh, in the stool habit. Parents then are like, they fear, do I stop solids? Do I continue? Do I, uh, what do I do to overcome this issue? What do you suggest? Yes, so definitely transition onto solids, huge, huge time for constipation to start. I'd say it's probably the most common um, reason that constipation hits in. So basically, when you are starting solids, it's really important to do it nice and slowly. Obviously, wait until um, they're at that six-month mark, because that's when the gut is ready for introducing solids. Um, And introduce nice and slowly. so don't be adding loads of new foods too quickly. So give it everything a day or two to settle and see what can affect the baby's gut. So small amounts often and built up on that. Sometimes babies can be very hungry at this age and start wolfing down foods and we're giving them loads and loads. And I even noticed my own little Katie, she's nine months now, but when she started on solids, loved her grub and I was feeding, feeding, feeding. But definitely given I was giving her way too much food and I noticed then a, de- or a steep decline in the amount that she was drinking for milk and uh, definitely bam two weeks later she was like passing little pellets of poo and bless her hard lumps of poo then and a little bit of blood a little tear with them so really really common and now she's in a cycle of trying 
trying to hold on to her poo. Like she has been, have that fear now of letting that poo out. And you'll see her in the high chair squeezing everything with all her might to hold in that poo. And then when I lay her down flat and bring her knees up to her chest, it comes out. It's soft now, but she still is have in that kind of condition where she will try and hold on to the poo. So it can just happen really, really quickly. Um, really important that we are introducing water with our solids too. So cool boiled water in a free flowing cup, little sips, there's no target volume at this age for water, but it's just getting the habit of drinking water and having that with each meal. Obviously, we're being good role models too, and we're drinking as well around them at uh, water and making sure that they are sipping um, at water and getting to getting to know the taste of it and what it is. Um, so with the food then as well, try and not stop everything all of a sudden, but look at the overall picture. Look how much milk they're getting in. Uh, they're having good wet nappies. Are they passing little pellet poos and are they in pain with them? Again, off your GP, um, get them checked out. And sometimes a laxative is needed. And I do feel that a lot of parents have this misconception about laxatives will make my child's gut lazy. I can understand it. I get where parents are coming from, but there is no evidence to suggest that that is the case. Laxatives such as an osmotic laxatives are really, really safe to be used. They are um, allowed to be used under one year of age, and they're so important to be started sooner rather than later, because if you end up trying to manage constipation in a baby by trying to give more fluids or give fruit, um, it can be quite difficult because you are giving them as much fluid as they will want at the moment anyway so trying to get more in is quite difficult so the nice guidelines in the uk would always say that the first line treatment for constipation in babies and children is the use of an osmotic laxative again discussed with your gp it should be prescribed by your gp but start that off and continue it on until they're on a good pattern of passing nice hot poos obviously you can use using your extra water too and making sure that you're adding in um fruit so your nice pears plums prunes and your um apples all stewed up are lovely um so try and encourage those as well obviously but if it has gotten to the stage where a baby is crying in pain and very sore passing poos and especially if they're passing blood um definitely discuss with gp and make sure that if a laxative is used that you're given the correct guidelines what way to use it how often to give it and for how long yeah and definitely follow back up with the gp because you'd be surprised how many parents go on them and then they're not sure how long to stay on it or what's kind of course of treatment or how long uh, to keep going um, I suppose the next big topic and um, as a parent of four, it's probably my most hated part of development is toilet training. <laughs> and I know you do Zoom classes and everything else on it, but I, for me, found it so challenging. Um, I had one that pretty much trained herself and it was absolute bliss. I think yeah. on our first, I started way too early and he just wasn't ready for it. And I didn't know whether to keep going or to stop or what to do. And I remember it was when I said it to another public health nurse and she said, you know what, Katie, you're probably best at this stage. It's causing so much stress to stop it all together. And that day when we said, we're going to stop yeah. it, was the day he trained himself. He actually just went yeah. off and that was it. There was no more wets. There was no more anything. I think we caused probably more stress to the poor child. He was the first in fairness. So yeah. He was our trial. <laughs> the run. first have a tough. <laughs> they do in every way. So a lot of trial and error going on. Signs are you sh like, should a child be showing before we decide to go down the toilet training? Because I suppose everyone has this target at two to three, we should be targeting and they should be trained. What's your advice? 
So first off, definitely look, is your child ready? So what cues should they be showing you? They should be showing you that they can understand what you're saying. They can follow instruction. They can sit up and down. Helpful if they can remove their clothes as well. So they'll get to grips with that in time. Um, that they're showing interest, that they actually want to do it. They want to get rid of their nappy. They can feel that they're wet. Um, they can communicate that to you. They're following you into the bathroom and they're saying they want to get rid of their nappy. So some of the some of the times all of that is in place before you start, but sometimes it's not everything. But that's a good starting point. And one really important part is are they actually staying dry for a period of time during the day? So we'd say for about two hours of the day, is their nappy dry? So that's showing us that their bladder is maturing, can hold on to more urine. Um, so a simple way to do that, because sometimes our nappies are really, really absorbent. So if we check them, you might feel that they're dry, but in actual fact, they're wet. So pop a bit of kitchen roll into a clean nappy and check that kitchen roll every 15 minutes. Just do this once or twice and just to see um, and check that bit of kitchen roll. If that's staying dry for up to two hours, then you're, you're good to go physically. They're beginning to get ready. So that's a really good starting point because sometimes if they're wet continuously and you start toilet draining, you're kind of on a bit of a back foot with that. And as you say, Katie, that pressure, I think a lot of parents do feel pressure to get kids toilet drained, especially before they start their preschool at three. And a lot of questions will stipulate, you have to have them toilet drained. And again, you know, it is adding a huge amount of pressure. And then you have both parents working. It has to fit into when we have holiday time, when we have a chunk of time off together as well. So there's a lot of external things that will put pressure on us too to get it done. As a lot of people will say, I have to get it done. But definitely so much easier when your child is showing you that they're ready, that they're engaging in it, they're thinking about it, they're talking about it, and they want to do it. Because as you said, you are putting the pressure on and kids pick up on pressure so quickly. And again, they'll go against you no matter what you're trying to do if you're getting stressed about it and if you need to get it done. So it's definitely, yeah, a lot of parents that will speak to me about the issues they're having with toilet training is this whole thing that they're just not doing it. They keep having accidents. They're getting upset. If they're getting upset, you have to pull the plug because you're just not going to get anywhere. You only end up going to stressing yourself out and the child and they're just not going to enjoy the experience. So take a break. Have a look at what you, way you tackled it and maybe change your tactic the next time. Give it a break of six to eight weeks. More um, and again, hmm? more chocolate. And more chocolate. Yes, 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 definitely. And be nice to yourself when you're toilet training. Work wonders. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to look at what motivates your child too. So when you're picking your treats for your child, see what motivates them. Um, what will they do sitting on the potty for and they'll stay sitting on the potty, you know, so you have to pick and choose the right things um, for your child. So it's very individual for each child. I don't think there's one particular method that will work um, for every child, obviously, because every child is different. You have to go with their personality. Um, and again, what will motivate them and how little head works and what they do. So um, you'll see lots of claims on Google that you'll toy train your child in three days or do a certain method and this will definitely work. It doesn't, unfortunately. But I think if you get the basics right, and one big thing is looking out for constipation before you start toilet training too. So again, if both parents are working, it can be hard to know what their normal bowel pattern is and when they normally have wet nappies. So over weekends, have a little look and see how often they're pooing. What time of the day do they normally poo at? Because this can sometimes, if a child is in a really good pooing pattern, can be really helpful when you do actually do the toilet training because you can pot them at that time when they normally will do a poo. So our commonest, commonest time to do a poo, our strongest urge is after breakfast in the morning time. And for some kids, it could be after dinner. But it's after a main meal. So when our stomach fills, it sends a signal to our rectum to say, empty out and make way for what I've just digested. So 
they will then have that urge to poo about 20 minutes, 30 minutes after a main meal. So if you pot them at that time, nice and relaxed, make it a game, blow some bubbles to relax that pelvic floor, that can really help to let those first few poos out, which can be a bit of a challenge. But if you have identified that your child is suffering with any degree of constipation, don't think about toilet training yet get those poos sorted get them nice and regular nice and soft that there is no distress at all with pooing and then proceed to toilet train and hopefully they'll be good to go and tell us um one thing i find a lot of parents will say is the child will toilet train very well with regards to the wheeze and they can manage them but when it comes to doing the poos there can be a lot of fear around doing the poo in the toilet so they'll do the poo they'll nearly be able to tell you or you can you'll know that they've to do the poo in the nappy but they won't actually do it in the toilet any tips to offer parents out there yeah so a lot of the time um, our language that we use around poos can be a little bit off-putting for kids. So again, we all do it. Oh, you have a stinky bum, you have a stinky poo. Let's get rid of that dirty nappy. And we make it a bit negative. So, uh, and again, a lot of people don't like talking about poos. So maybe somebody might bring up the subject of poos and people are just like, oh, that's disgusting. So try and make any talk about poo fun. Again, be factual about it. You're not going to make up that it smells of roses and poos are pink you know make it make it sensible like a kid will understand everybody poos poos have to come out of our body and it's stuff that we don't need from our food anymore so keeping it really simple for kids so again a lot of kids will have that fear that this is something falling out of their body that they're losing part of their body and they just have these little notions in their head so really helpful read a little book before you start toilet training about poos um encourage kids to come into the bathroom with you to explain this is where we and poo goes and also what it feels like um for us when we need to have a poo so anytime that you before you start toilet training anytime that you're needing to go to the toilet just say oh i feel like a poo is coming point to where you're feeling it tell them what you're feeling and now what you're going to do so they can understand oh yeah i can have that feeling and this then is what i need to do so into the bathroom again so we're showing them how we sit in the toilet feet should be up our knees should be level with our belly button we should be leaning forward a little bit and we shouldn't be pushing to get that poo out so again explaining speaking very simply about what we're doing then have it get them to have a look at the poo and flush in the toilet make it a little bit of fun you can add a bit of food coloring into the cistern uh, and again then there's different water color coming through it's just making it fun and making it relatable for children uh, you can make up a little story about poo going to poo land there's loads of apps you can download um, on your phone uh, loads of different stories there's a great unicorn one um, Squatty Potty have on their website and it's about unicorn poos so you know make it as fun as you can but definitely keep those first few poos as soft as you can so nice smoothies when you're start toilet training those nice fats the avocados in the smoothies if, if they'll take it get those poos nice and soft so that they're not feeling their first poo being difficult to pass um as i said sit down on the potty so if they're using the potty make sure that they're comfortable on the potty and um, sometimes putting a bit of tissue paper into the potty for their first for first few poos can give them the feeling that there's something sitting against their skin um because again that feeling of letting go of a poo can be frightening for a child if they're using the toilet um their first pool that can plop into the toilet can cause a bit of a splashback a lot of kids don't like that they don't like that feeling of we are wet against their bum so they do get a fright so be mindful of the first few times that 
there's nothing that will put them off using it. And again, if you're using the bathroom, making sure the bathroom is nice and warm, they're not left by themselves to do it because, you know, you might let them sit in the toilet and say, oh, the pool will come in a minute and run off to do something. They just need that little bit of handholding the first few times, plenty of reassurance, even put your hand up in front of them and get them to blow out the candles, um, sing a song or make a moo noise or hissing noise um, are really helpful to, again, relax that pelvic floor, make it as fun as possible. A lot of people do um, get very stressed about it and are not able to have fun about it because they're so concerned about getting this done, you know, but you have to use this time, you know, spend with your child, have that bit of crack with them and try and not have a heap of other things to be doing while you're trying to toilet train too. So, you know, keep the diary empty, uh, don't need to be going anywhere, don't need to be doing off to the big shop, you know, keep it very simple. Keep it home for the first couple of days if you can and keep it relaxed. Yeah, really good points. I definitely think we did on our fourth, actually, Pooh Goes to Pooh Land. Oh, my God, he loved it. He, hook, line and sinker, absolutely loved it every time. And in fairness, it worked really well. I think as well as parents, I think maybe you just get easier. You're less stressed by the time more come. I think for the first, you're just trying to hit all those milestones. And I do think there's pressures being put on parents from, I suppose, other family members and society. And I do really feel that some kids just aren't ready by the time they hit ECC, depending on the ages, because some can be three and a half, some can be just two and three quarters before they hit that. Um, yeah. But they either give up the, the the place in ECC or you really push to get them trained. And that can be a huge factor, I suppose, in increasing stress levels for parents when they're in the toilet training phase. When it comes to uh, diet and fluids, like uh, I know fluids obviously have a big impact on our stools and how soft they are. Do you know like roughly how much a child like a toddler should be having with a toilet training of water a day or fluids? Yeah, so for a typical three-year-old, they're looking at about 900 mils of fluid in the day. So we would try and push for as much water as possible. Um, you know, that's your first drink to go to. Uh, so it's very, it's a, it's a big number for parents to try and get in. So a lot of parents will say to me, oh, they drink loads, they drink loads, they're drinking all the time. And I always say, keep a diary for three days, write down exactly what they're drinking and you'll see if they are drinking 900, that's brilliant, but it's quite hard to get that for most kids. So it's something that you are working towards. It's not that, you know, every kid has to be 900 mils on the button, but you're looking at their hydration overall. So again, energy levels are passing uh, nice clear urine. So again, we in the first, in the morning time is going to be a little bit darker and it should clear out then throughout the day, a uh, nice straw colored wee. But if it's staying concentrated, um, then, you know, you need to be looking at definitely upping their fluid intake. It can be difficult. So again, make it fun. Have water available for children. Have little bottles. Don't be giving them a big, huge one litre bottle. Say you have to drink this today. So give them little shot glasses. Make it very achievable for them. And use a little sticker reward chart for them. And for every little glass they take, um, give them a little sticker. And then at the end, when they have everything filled up, they get a little prize. So it can be challenging. But again, as I said, be a good role model. Let them see you drinking water. It's everybody is drinking water. It's not just them that has to do it. Use little fancy straws, little bottles, change it up a little bit. So again, make it fun. Do a little tea party with your tea set, put a little water into it. You know, you have to kind of think outside the box for kids to do because water is boring. It's plain. There's no flavor of it. So a lot of kids don't drink it. Like my two now at home, the older two, uh, the older fella, brilliant for drinking. 
Katie or Annie, the younger one, absolutely atrocious. And she suffers with constipation. So I'm constantly trying to get her to drink. So it's very difficult. It's not easy. And especially at this age, they want to have control and they love then choices. So again, give them choices, give them the little bit of control over it. Make a little, have a little water station set up, have a little jug that they can pour out their water to. And if you need to add in some cordials, do those very diluted down. Make sure we're brushing their teeth well as well. Um, you know, you can't be perfect in everything you do. You have to be realistic too, you know. So they are kids and at the end of the day. Um, play with stuff, get them involved. Sorry. You know, so 900 mils, is, okay. it's actually quite a large volume when you think of our little people. Like we should all be drinking two litres plus. Um, when you yeah. think that's just like nearly almost half of what we are drinking, yeah. they should be taking. I can definitely say, I'd say my eldest is definitely taking it. Third, possibly. I'd say the second, not a hope. She's the worst fluid intake. I'd say she's in a state of dehydration no. most. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. I think you're right. Well, like we can try to be as perfect as we as we can. But when it comes to it, if we're trying to increase the fluid intake, sometimes with the small amount and basically just barely coloring it, sometimes you'll find they'll drink uh, more water that when there's just a slight coloration of uh, a cordial yeah. in it. That's it. And even adding fruits into a jug of water, keep it nice and chilled, get them involved in cutting up the fruit too, you know, with a child safe little knife that they can carve it up. Um, you know, make it fun, ice cubes with little fruit in it, put them into the water. Everything is about fun with kids. They learn through play. Mine will drink an awful lot more if I put an ice cube in each of their glasses um, over the summer months. So it does work. Any other tips and advice with regards to the toilet training? Um, I know you do a Zoom class um, and I'm sure it's a topic that kind of was left kind of very... Uh, very open. I know as a public health nurse, we do, we chat around kind of when they came in for their 22 month check with two year check or two to three years, whenever they feel their child is ready. I've often forgot the pointers that we've given. So there's very little information out there when it comes to toilet training uh, for a lot of parents. Yeah, there is. It's And it can be quite confusing because, again, you'll po get these pop-up ads on Google the minute you go into toilet training and you'll see these toilet train your kid in three days, uh, do take the nappy off and let them add it. But uh, a lot of people get confused about the day and night time. So the night time is different to the daytime. Um, so a lot of parents would have gotten the information to say, yeah, so when you start toilet training, you don't put the nappy back on, let them without it. But they may not be physically ready to be dry overnight just yet. And that cannot, maybe not happen until they're up to nearly five years of age, which is fine, it's perfectly normal. But parents don't realize this. So they nearly put too much pressure on the kids to have everything done in the one shot. So you need to separate both. But if you are starting toilet training have a look a week or two in advance and see are they staying dry when they get up in the morning time so is their nappy dry when you change them first thing in the morning if that's still wet then they're not ready for nighttime dryness yet so it's not nighttime training it's more nighttime dryness we have this hormone in our body called the antidiuretic hormone and that builds up gradually up until the age of five is when we read our max of it and that will help to concentrate our urine at night and let us produce less urine at night which will naturally keep us dry we'll have that um our ability to hold on to we overnight as well and the bladder capacity too so those things have to be in place before they're physically ready to be nighttime um, dry so that pressure I think we need to take off parents and make sure that they're aware that there is a difference between day and night so a lot of the time we'll toilet train during the day get that mastered first keeping themselves dry overnight by waking up with dry nappies and then we can um, take that nighttime nappy off use your mattress protectors you're going to have a few accents and again after daytime toilet training you're going to have a, the odd accent here and there it's not going to be perfect straight off for most kids um, so it is important to be realistic about toilet training too and I think a lot of parents 
is um, when I've questioned them about their first attempt at toilet training, they'll say, I'll ask them, how did you react to the accidents? And they're like, oh, I hated it. I just dreaded it. And I just didn't like it. And I said, well, it be realistic about it. You're trying to train a child to hold on to their wee. You're going to have accidents those first few days. You're going to have the odd accident after that. Like when a child learns to walk, they don't just stand up and start walking straight off. Well, most kids don't. But like, you know, there's little steps to it. You have to give your child a chance to master this new um, milestone, you know. So it's not um, parents really do need to kind of check how they're feeling about toilet training themselves. Uh, they're go- you're going to hear all the horror stories from people about uh, what went wrong. But, you know, keep an open mind be um, optimistic about it, uh, prepare yourself, you know, know what's going to be ahead of you. Have a look at my Zoom class. I have loads of information on my Instagram page too about loads of different tips and tricks about toilet training. Um, but do prepare yourself and be realistic about it. You're going to have accents. How you're going to react to them is really important. You just acknowledge, yeah, you did a wee accent. We'll get it the next time. Move on. You know, that's all you can do about it. There's no point being a drama about it because it's all natural. I think that's a great way to finish up. Pretty much that uh, set your expectations, have a very realistic expectation of what lies ahead. Education is key and preparation is essential. And basically they will all get there. Um, it just some yes. will get there quicker than others and they'll all get there when they're ready. Absolutely. And don't compare because we all do it. Absolutely. And we even compare with siblings, you know, um, oh, this one did this one at that age and this one can't do this now. But look, each child is so individual. Uh, once they're happy, they're peeing and pooing well, they will get there. You know, just take that pressure off yourself and off your child. Thank you so much, Anne. You have been amazing. And thank you for sharing so many tips and advice on all things constipation and toilet training related. Have a great day. No problem. Thanks so much, guys. Bye bye. When choosing your antenatal care journey, you need a team that you can trust. Here at Evie, we offer personalised, multidisciplinary care in a state-of-the-art environment, ranging from consultant care, high-end scanning and prenatal testing, to expert advice on diet, exercise and mental health. Our team of world-class consultants in obstetrics, gynaecology and paediatrics provide the highest standards of care for you and your baby. Contact us today on 01 293-3984 or visit our website at evie.ie for more information. Evie, a game changer in antenatal care. Okay, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Anne Costigan. I know I certainly learned a lot from it. Um, we hope that you have enjoyed the first season of the Baby Tribe podcast. We are very sad to be ending. However, We will be back in the autumn with a lot more episodes, a lot more guests and a lot more information to help you on your parenting journey. So, Katie, what are are your plans for the summer? I am counting down the days till we head off on holidays. We're off to Spain for two weeks. And then after that, it's going to be juggling childcare, parenting and everything and dropping and to and from, uh, I'm sure, like you. Well, maybe not like you, actually, because we'll be dropping to and from all these summer camps. Yeah, we actually aren't doing many summer camps this year. My kids are probably getting too old for them, but we are hoping to have a trip to Kuwait at some stage over the summer. Yeah, to go and see the folks. And my um, brother and sister are actually coming from Canada and Kuwait, respectively, early in the summer to travel around Ireland and hopefully 
experience some sunshine, although that's never guaranteed in Ireland, sure it's not. No, always bring the rain jackets and the umbrella and then you can enjoy Ireland to its fullest. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope that all our listeners have a great summer and we'll see you in the autumn. Yeah, good luck, folks. And we look forward to having you join us again. Take care.